Okay, let's get started. Um, for all of you who uh, have not yet met Fan, this is Fan up here, so he has different people keep coming in here, so that'll be the last time I mention that, but uh, just wanted everybody to introduce themselves after if you hadn't before uh, to him. And, uh, you know, we, we have been in a study here on, on uh, laying a strong foundation, and this strong foundation that we've been looking at, um, we started with Jesus Christ and uh, his person and, and his work on, and, and what that was all about. And now we've moved into looking at angels. And in that section, um, we looked at all the different um, components of the universe that are um, what we'll call uh, uh, in the spiritual realm. And what do the scriptures bring to us as to absolute clarity as to what, what is in the spiritual realm? What, what, what exists there? Where are the, quote, places in the spiritual realm that, uh, um, that the Bibles and the scriptures um, give us uh, knowledge of? And now we've moved into a study of uh, Satan or our adversary and, and what we'll call fallen demons um, or angels. Um, and so in the process of looking at that, we, um, we, we looked uh, at uh, last week uh, his names. And so we, we looked at, uh, in the past, um, the different dimensions of, of his pre-fall condition, his origin, our adversary's origin, his fall, God's response, uh, his sin in detail. We've looked at um, his role and, um, and, and, and condemnation by God as a result of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. We looked at... Um, his defeat, which really was a threaded understanding and uh, kind of looking at uh, from Genesis through till the Gospels, um, just an incredible thread of our adversaries' engagement with uh, uh, with this people called the Jews, um, and 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 what why the Jews? It was because quote from Genesis three fifteen that there would there would be one who would come right that would be the crusher of the head of the serpent. Uh, because of um, of his condemnation, so we saw that that led up to our uh, even our study here with with the timing of of Good Friday and the timing of of Easter last um, time we got together. So what a great kind of uh, culmination of understanding um, what, uh, what what our adversary has been doing throughout the time. You know, I had an opportunity on Friday night. Um, had for the first nights for a long time that I didn't have too much to do that night. And so Sally and myself sat down. We watched uh, one of those um, elements or in time um, that had to do with um, the, the process of, of him being the head crusher. And if you remember what it was, was um, when, when the, the nation of Israel had been taken to Persia. Who is present-day Persia? Iran. Iran, right, Iran, right. Uh, Iraq, excuse me. Um, uh, Persia was Iran, excuse me. And and so w- when they got taken to Persia, um, if you remember what happened is it's called The King and I. It's, it's a present-day movie about about Esther, who, um, if you remember, um, Haman was this uh, uh, this this individual who, who was an Agagite who had been released and not, his mother had not been killed when, they, the Jews were told to kill them, and so he grew up outside of Israel, but had this passionate longing, I believe, put in his heart by Satan to destroy and annihilate the Jewish nation. So as he grew up in in Persia, um, 
so did um, Esther. And so the, the story collides in the book of Esther, as you know, about um, him want, uh, having a pronouncement that literally within days, on a given day, every person who was a Jew would be annihilated on, on planet Earth and all of their money taken in order to fight the war against the Greeks. And so when that occurred, uh, uh, Esther, if you remember, um, went on behalf of the nation, even though up till that point in time the king did not know she was a Jew, and she went on behalf of her nation and Mordecai, who had actually saved the king's life prior to that, made, a, made a, an appeal in front of the whole uh, throne room, which could have cost her her life, right? And, and yet he said, um, she can live. And so she asked for him to come to a banquet that, that night to explain what, what her request was that he gave her. And the request was to save his, her people. So then, you know, Haman was hanged on the gallows, right? And, and all that occurred. But, I mean, the, the, the history of the Jewish people hung on the precipice of a decision by a king and um, a, a woman who would, would, do every, would, would take, even if she perished, for such a time as this, that she would come forward and um, uh, truly, you know, obey God in the middle of the situation, right? So just an amazing thing that, as to you know, have, happen to have an opportunity to look at one, just one of those situations, and yet multiply those by, multiply, by multiplication throughout time and history as to what's happened, and you've seen that occur uh, there. We also looked at his names before the fall: Lucifer, son of the dawning, the dawn, um, shining one, light bearer, the anointed cherub, uh, the covering cherub. We looked at uh, his names after the fall. All of these different perspectives, and we said that the, uh, a person's name in Hebrew um, tells us tremendously about their character. And so, when, if you wanted to know, like, a, about a person, you would understand their name because the name would probably usually um, uh, uh, support that that character. So, uh, interesting um, uh, un- unveiling, if you would, of the adversary in many different ways as it pertains to his name. Okay, and then we went into looking at his current role and focus. When we look at this, uh, what were some of the um, roles and focus efforts that he's doing um, uh, today on planet Earth? What were some of these? You that were here last time. Okay. Okay. So he's been given he's he's been given the dominion, full dominion of this world called he's called the God of this world. Okay. So God is actually trusted to him um, much of the aspects of, of the rulership of this world, interestingly enough. What else did we say? What did we say about his schemes? That? We said that, that we're not ignorant of his schemes, right? And that his schemes are personal. That they are, that they are against who? Us as believers, in primarily. It's a, yeah. That, and schemes, the word schemes are strategies, but he has individual strategies built um, for each one of believers. So do not lose sight of the fact that, that, that our adversary um, has strategies for each one of us. And they are not to do us well. Uh, it's to take us down um, in, in some way, shape, or form. For what purpose? One, to get back at God because we are his... Um, 
created in his image, and we are his, the ones to whom he has lavished his love upon. Okay, But number two, to neutralize us in this great strategy of God's, that God's unfolding. Because if he can neutralize believers in some way, shape, or form, then he will have um, done his work. Can't, he, can't, he can't get us back. Okay? Um, but he can absolutely neutralize us as being effective in, in this world for, 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 for the Lord. Make sense? Okay. Um, what, what, were, what were any of the other ones? We said also Second uh, Corinthians 4.4 4, that he has, quote, blinded the eyes of non-believers so that they may not see the light of the glory of gospel. So we said his role is to blind, continue to put a, a windshield cover over the eyelids of non-believers so that they would not truly understand who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. That, that's a role that he plays on planet Earth, okay? And that's a huge important area that for us to understand when we're talking about the gospel to non-believers. Is that this is not going to have... I mean, I can have the greatest... Um, how do you say? I can have the greatest uh, logic. I can have the absolute best re, you know, explanation of their questions. But you know what? This is not going to be solved or resolved... Um, a person is not going to come to Christ because of, of, of the things I share with them like that. They're only going to come to Christ because it's a spiritual work that God does in their heart. He may choose to use the words I, I share um, with them, but, but God's got to do the work in their heart. He's got to, quote, lift up the eyelids, <laughs> right? Pull the shades up <laughs> for that person to see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. Amen. Um, so, another thing is, is that he's, he's we, we saw from 1 Timothy here, for one, that he's causing people to fall away from the faith. Quote, the faith. Not believers in Christ, but but causing them to lose interest in, in, in the body of faith that we have. Um, he says, as the end of the age comes, people will fall away from this, that they'll not be interested in it anymore. uh, And he's going to do that through, quote, two things. Deceitfulness. What is deceitfulness? It's who he is, right? It's it's, it's every word that comes out of him is a lie. It makes you think that things are different than they are. Okay, so he he comes at it this way, but really, at the end of the day, he's coming at it this way, right? It's, it's, It's that everything he interacts with us on is going to somehow not be true. And so it's it's a, it's it's the drop of poison in the glass of pure water, right? Okay. And he, and the second thing he's going to use is it, besides deceit is what we call the doctrines of demons. We'll talk more about that later. So his whole goal, as we saw, is to use the scheme, his schemes to quote uh, neutralize our faith. Okay. We also looked at um, we also looked at uh, uh, his army. We saw that it was really a third of, of all the angelic host, um, and that uh, that there literally are segmentations to his army. And we're going to get into that more more when we get into um, fallen angels a little bit more next week. Okay, uh, we looked at his accountability. We saw that um, uh, uh, his will is not supreme. We saw that he must quote uh, report and is accountable to God. 
Okay? So he must report and is accountable to God for all he does. We saw that his will is not supreme. He must ask permission from God to do anything. And and uh, I added in here this, this verse here, if it's not in your notes. It's Luke 22, uh, 31 32, which was, if you remember, just before, uh, in, uh, just after the garden, or just before the garden um, of, Eden, of uh, Gethsemane, Jesus Christ said what? He said, I... He told Peter, he said, I've been asked, in the spiritual realm, I've been asked by Satan. Here's Christ talking as a human being, fully God, fully man. But he's saying, I've, I've been asked by Satan for permission to what? To sift you. Kind of like Job, right? I've been asked for permission. So, so that tells you what? He says that he doesn't have permission. He asked to ask that for each one of us, in order to go, and so God's got these boundaries that He's put up in all of our lives, and um, an important thing to know is that um, His will is not supreme. He must ask permission from God to do anything. Okay, He must obey God too. He's forced to stay inside those boundaries that God draws for them for Him. So remember, in Job, He said, first of all, um, you can touch Him, but you can't take. I mean, you can touch all, all the belongings that He has. Right? You can take them all away. But you can't touch him, right? That was the first kind of border. And so he did that. He took them all away. It was like completely completely shot, right? And he said he went to Christ, he says, you know what? That wasn't good enough, you know. He's just gonna continue to love you unless he his own person is is messed up. And so God said, Okay, draw another boundary. You can go mess up, mess his person up, but what? You can't kill him. Okay? And so that also tells us that if given permission by God, demonic beings and Satan can kill. They can take lives. Um, okay. Also, we saw his final ju- downfall and future judgment. He was rendered powerless by Christ at the cross and in the resurrection. We looked at that. We saw that he will be banished from the third and the second heaven midway through the tribulation period. So, so where is he today? What, where is Satan, quote, allowed? Or where, where, does he, where is his abode today? Okay, it's it's his dominion's here on earth, but but does he have the capability to go to the third heaven? When when he's called. Okay, when he's called, but, exactly. But he, not to stay there. And okay. God called him. When, when God he called his all his angels together. Right. And that's the time, if you remember, that uh, he was asked to give a report. Exactly. And where he was. Now, not that God didn't know where he was. God knew where he was, but he wanted him to report to him. Exactly. He reported to him. God can do anything he wants. He wants Satan to come up and talk to him, and he can do that. And stand here and give me a report and tell me where you were, even though I know. So you you understand the relationship here, okay? (laughs) Let let me make it perfectly clear, (laughs) right? (laughs) Okay. So, so yeah, um, his abode, his place, the going to and fro is. Is, is, is here on earth. Um, even though he's in a spiritual dimension, he, he is on earth. But he is he still has access to the third heaven when, when he's asked to come there and report to God, uh, which he must do. We also know from um, Revelation that what? He is continually doing that and throw, throwing... A, uh, 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 he's, he's continually um, accusing us as believers around all of planet Earth um, before the throne of God also when given the opportunity. 
of which then Christ is what? At the right hand of the Father, being our advocate before the Father. So you have this kind of left hand, right hand uh, thing going on, uh, uh, the adversary at, 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 at the left hand. And we said the left hand is the prosecutor's role or space or situation in a court of law. And, and our, our, our advocate or our defense attorney is at the right hand of the Father, right? So, okay. So he's got halfway through the tribulation period when the, when the, when the Antichrist is killed with a sword. Um, it's at that time that, that Satan mounts an incredible um, attack on, 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 on the heavens, the third heaven. And he, and he thinks he's going to take it by storm. And so, right at the midpoint of the tribulation, he, he, he goes at the third heaven. And, and if you remember from, from Revelation, what, what we see is this, there's this war in heaven. And Michael and, 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 and the angels put him down. And it's at that point in time he's banished to the earth. And I believe it's at the same time that he actually inhabits the carcass of the Antichrist for the last three and a half years because a fake resurrection occurs. He can't resurrect anybody. But he, he, he inhabits the, the killed body of the Antichrist. And everybody sees this kind of thing happen. You know, CNN, Fox, well, I don't know about Fox will be there. Everybody, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but CNN and everything else, okay, is there. They see it all. And and it's and it's happening, and and they see it occur. And so, what causes this incredible emperor worship in the second half of the tribulation, as opposed to the first half? It's because uh, uh, the anti the, the the Satan wants to worship himself, as opposed to some you know tolerant you know one world religion. It's like I want worship, you know. So that's when it starts. That's the that's the that's the that's the incredible. Uh, Pursuit of all Jews and believers on planet Earth, and that's really where the the martyrs start to spill their blood across uh, the Earth. Okay, he will be bound in the abyss for a thousand years. Um, he will be bound there for a thousand years. We saw um, in Revelation he will be judged and literally thrown physically into hell, and uh, we find out that that his his final prison is there forever and ever, and he'll be tormented there forever and ever. Ever and ever. Okay. So, I w- uh, what I want to do is pick up... Is this where we picked up last time? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Right at the nature of... Our okay, so I want to talk about the nature of his eternal destiny. Turn with me to Matthew um, twenty-five forty-one. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. Whoever gets it first, go for it. Read it. Also say to those... On his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into fire which has been prepared for the devil and, and his angels. Okay, so the primary purpose of this place called Gehenna, or eternal fire, um, uh, which we said was what? It was different than where? Uh, Hades, right? Yeah. And the abyss. Yeah. Different place. Okay, the, the, this is the end game place, right? It's the... It's the last place. Okay, so... Gehenna is? Gehenna, yeah. That's, the, that's where he's going to end up. Right. He's going to get thrown. And he says, um, it was created for who? Yeah, Satan and his angels. And his angels. So, it was never created from a purpose for non-believers. Never created. So, this was, I believe, created um, um, before... Maybe even the creation, 
the, the physical creation of the you know human beings. Um, because he says, you know, I mean, you're going to be judged, and it's coming in a future time, and it's going to be um, for for Satan and, and his angels, demons. Um, okay. Uh, second is here. It's a place of torment. Uh, go to uh, Revelation 20, verse 10. Revelation 20, verse 10. Somebody got that? The devil was deceived, then was thrown into fire and brimstone. All prophets are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever. And so when does this occur? When does this uh, being well, thrown into the lake of fire? To the broad plain on the earth, surrounding the camp of Saints. That would be the, the plain uh, Armageddon. Okay, well, the, the, there is a battle called Armageddon that's at the end of the tribulation period. After that. Um, so, essentially, you have um, this three and a half years, right? And you have another time period called the Millennial Kingdom, which is a thousand years. Okay? So, the battle of Armageddon occurs right here when Jesus Christ comes back. And this would be called uh, this would be called his return. Okay, his the rapture is going to occur here, and these two events are called the second coming of Christ. Okay, so the thousand year reign is on planet Earth, and then at the end of this time, for this, what we see is Satan is what bound where. It's tied and bound in... in uh, a bottomless pit, right? Yeah. Okay? So, for this thousand years, we see in Revelation 20, right? Verse 2. Bound him for a thousand years. Okay? During that time is the millennial kingdom on earth. And then at the end of this time, just before the end of the time, so this kind of goes like this, Satan comes, is loose back out of the bottomless pit, and he comes back on earth, and he... Um, there's a whole bunch of mischief here. Says, uh, says uh, he deceived verse eight uh, all the nations on the four corners of the earth. So during this time period, there was a very small seven eighths of the earth's population are killed as a result of this of those that are left after the rapture, of which some portion of those are believers, some portion are non-believers. Then we see a judgment of those who are physically on the earth at that time, and that's Matthew twenty four and twenty five. He's talking about the sheep and the goats. Right? Remember we read that, right? Okay? And then those who are believers, along with, that are mortal, along with those who come with him in the return, which is the church, all, 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 and the Old Testament saints, those who are Old Testament believers rise from the dead and are resurrected bodies. So on earth, what you have is mortal and immortal beings living on the earth through this thousand year time. They're told to populate the earth, the mortals. And so, you, without death, Raining on on a thousand years. I mean, the whole earth is populated very quickly, um, and people live for this duration. So you have this explosion on planet Earth of population, right? So at the end of this time, though, even though Jesus Christ is on the throne, you have um, an incredible heart problem still. So even though the adversary and his demons are completely subjugated to the abyss. You still have this kind of um, non-believing heart from our human sin nature that exists for those people who are born during the tribulation period. Because those who enter the tribulation 
physically that aren't judged are believers. Everybody's believers. But those who are born still are going to have to go through this this understanding of, (laughs) am I going to believe in the Messiah who's sitting on the throne in in Mount Zion uh, in in Israel? It's like the flood after the flood. Exactly. And so when he's loosed back up, all he does is he goes out there and has this tuning fork and he goes, you know, you know, and everybody whose who's hearts reverberate not with God, but reverberate with something other than God, are going to sound themselves to this pitchfork. And, and they're going to, their hearts are going to reverberate for Satan instead of him. It, they're, they're, they're living through the tribulation period. I mean, through the uh, kingdom period. Well, they'll be a baby then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what happens out here? Um, come to the other. Oh. Come, come out. Come to the other class. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but out here, you have quote the eternal state, and the eternal state is um, literally um, eternity. <coughs> Souls are eternal. Okay. Well, they. And it's either going to be um, the eternal state with God. Okay. In the New Jerusalem. Okay. A physical place, okay, or it's going to be um, in the in in this situation. What we're calling it is what the lake of fire, or Gehenna, the place, the future place, where where nobody is today, okay. But that's what's coming. Well, well maybe with the other people. This will be um, a different place. No, so this will be one place and where then, God is. <laughs> But what about people that went up in uh, um, those people? These people were, are going to be on earth here oh, during this time. they are? Yeah. Well, what about the rapture? They would be in heaven during the tribulation period, which is what Revelation speaks of in Revelation 6 through 19. So it talks about... So aren't these going to be in that thousand years? And that can be yeah, there will be mortals on the earth that lived yeah. at the end of this time that enter here that procreate uh-huh. and fill the earth. But then other people are going to be... Happy. Right, but they will come with him on the return. Oh, yeah. there? Revelation 19 so says, right. wow. Revelation 19 says, so you know, all those who everybody. followed him on the white horses followed him, so and he and did the, did the, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, wow. exactly. Good questions. Any other questions on that? Yeah. So is different than the eternal state? Uh, he- heaven, heaven exists here in the third heaven where, where God is. That's, that's what heaven is, okay? But aren't they going to be permanently... Well, Revelation chapter 21 okay, says that a new heaven and a new earth are created. But the I eternal think state. Would be in the well, what, what is the eternal state? Because in between here is what? This is what we call... Great white throne judgment, okay, which we're going to talk about today. But also here, at this time, he says, he made all of the current heavens and earth, he, he, he vaporizes them, vaporizes them. Same way that they were created, he uncreates them, like that, with fire. Every, everything there is in the universe. Everything, all, all, material, all matter. He created matter to begin with. Uh-huh. I don't care what people tell you. Okay, uh-huh. it has to. Be, there cannot be any uncreated creation. <laughs> okay, so so he created it because he created. He's the only one that can uncreate it, and he can do that with a word. And he says he will. We'll talk about it today. Yeah, John. Well, 
Um, everyone's going to be on Earth. Uh, be, because, in fact, it, it is it, it is the way it was before with a sin cursed uh, world. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and not only that, but I mean, what we see is that um, this new this new Jerusalem or this new pl- this new city um, is something that he has created in in the in the third heaven, and we see that it will physically come to Earth, and so that will be a part of this new eternal state. Um, will be this great city and this place where a vast majority of people will dwell. Although it won't be all of the world, it will be. 1,500 miles, so it's like three-quarters of the United States across, deep and high. Weird, but somehow it's that way. Yeah, so um, it's really all about, um, the, the reason for it is, quote, Revelation chapter 21, um, verse 5, and he says, Four and five, he says, and he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, crying, pain. Quote, the first things, the things of Adam, things of sin, things of this sin-cursed world, are, are what? Are past, have passed away. Verse five, and he who sits on the throne said what? Behold, I'm going to make all things new. Well, is all all or is all all? <laughs> I mean, it's all. It's everything. It's a new heavens and earth. It's all. It's a new eternal state. Completely. Everything's changed. So I have two I, I have I have I have two two passwords on two parts of our our state. Today everything counts. <laughs> then everything changes. <laughs> and that's that's the great great thing we have that, that we can just hold on to. Any other questions on that? Okay. So that is um, this is what we're talking about here, okay? So, so um, it's a place of torment. Next is that um, it will be filled with sorrow, utter regret, and isolation. Turn with me to Matthew twenty-two thirteen. Matthew twenty-two thirteen. Somebody got that? He said to the servant, "Bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. That place there." Okay. Okay. So uh, this is the um, the royal invitation that's given, and it's a clarity around um, future of of those who don't um, uh, come to Christ. And and he says here that um, the place where they're going to be thrown is what it's quote outer darkness in a place that will be shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let's let's unbundle this for a second. Let's go from the back end. Um, outer darkness would be um, construed to be, if you would, total isolation. So this place called hell will be a place of total isolation, complete blackness. Think about the blackest of blackest nights when you can't, or, or a place within you know, where you've been, maybe in a building or something, and literally there is no light whatsoever. Because where does light originate. God. God is what? Light. In Him is no darkness. He dwells in unapproachable light. So, the essence of being where God is not would be outer darkness. It is the place where there is no light whatsoever. So, literally, think about putting your hand in front of your face and not being able to see at all where that is. 
that will be outer darkness. That's the way in which this place is characterized. Okay? Second one says weeping, right? Weeping. I put here sorrow. It's more than that, though. What does sorrow bring to mind? Sure, you got both there, right? You got the combination of the of the th- way you think about it and the w- what you're doing about it, right? Okay. Um, the, the word structure here in the language probably goes way beyond this, and it's the idea of um, uh, uh, piercing shrieking, piercing shrieking. When you think of piercing shrieking of a person shrieking about this sorrow, about this whatever, you know, the way in which they remember, you know, how they got where they're at, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, uncontrollable shrieking, pain, sorrow, both how they think and physiologically what they're doing. Next one is, uh, he says, is uh, a gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth. What do you think about when a person gnashes their teeth? Extreme pain, right? Extreme pain. Extreme pain. So they're, they're, the, the way in which they are always done, uh, do, doing is this utter regret about, about how they got where they're at. It's the, it's the idea of grinding of teeth. It's gnashing or grinding of teeth eternally. The grinding of teeth through, through the pain that they're in, but also this incredible sorrow. Um, that they have. Um, it's never going to stop. It's uncontrollable grinding. And it's in a body whose teeth won't ever be ground down. <laughs> Gives you some perspectives of this. Okay, let's go to the next one. Is It's called a lake of fire with unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire. Um, go to Matthew 13, 42. He says... And he will cast them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, So this furnace of fire, a lake of fire, furnace. What, uh, what do you think uh, when you hear furnace of fire or lake of fire? You can't get out. It's, you're stuck in. It's hot, ready to burn up furnace. Right, right. Remember Daniel and uh, yeah. his friends when they... St- it was it was it was hot, and then what? He stoked it. You know, they stoked it till like even the people who went up there to put them in there died, right? Yeah. The, the um, it's that hot, that hot. It was like um, this 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 eternal, uh, painful um, place of lake of fire. And why why can it be a lake of fire and not have them burnt up or annihilated? Because the Bible does not speak of annihilation whatsoever. Why is it that this is going to be the case? I don't think it's a preserving fire, but they're preserved because of what? Because they have eternal bodies. They have been resurrected from the dead at this point in time. So they have been given eternal bodies. They have eternal bodies that are, that are <laughs> incapable of being burnt up and eternal souls. And so this will be an eternal torment, eternal fire. Yeah, good, good point. Mark 9, 42 through 48. This is talking about these individuals, these chi- these people who um, cause little ones or children to quote little ones who believe in me. Verse forty-two: to uh, if they stumble, it'd be better for them to um, be cast into sea or have this millstone hung around their neck. 
And he says, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, verse 43. Um, if it inter- better to enter life crippled than have two hands and go to, quote, hell, or Gehenna, is like a fire into unquenchable fire. So verse 43, we see this idea of unquenchableness. It never ends. It's never ending. It never will let up. It's ever there, always there, never unstoked, never at the highest peak of its, of its, of its strength. Um, in fact, verse 48 gives us a different perspective. He says, where their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. It's unquenchable. It's not quenched. Um, so it is uh, always there forever, um, never stopping. Um, you think of a lake of fire and being in a lake too. It's this idea of, you know, being in a lake of fire, unable to get out, uh, almost like drowning all the time. But uh, it says also that uh, in forty-eight, when fifty says no, in forty-nine, for everyone will be salted with fire. Salted with fire, just as salt preserves everyone, will be preserved through in the training trials of. Yep. Uh, let's turn to Revelation chapter 14, verses 9, verse 9. Revelation 14, verse 9 through 11. Revelation 14, 9 through 11. Somebody got that one? Follow them, saying with a loud voice, to them worships the beast and his in the cup of his... Through 11. So what do you notice about... First of all, this is the mark of the beast that you hear about, right? Um, when, when does this occur in, in, in the timeline here? It's occurring here on... When Antichrist, Satan, inhabits the Antichrist. So the mark of the beast is really in the last three and a half years, and it's all about buying, selling, ability to do commerce, ability to do anything. No, it's fine. <laughs> so, let, I know I'm a Christian. I will go up in the first, Correct. and I'll be in heaven. Correct. I'll have to come back. To we will come with the return. So we'll have no. to accept him, Christ. They're immortal. They've been raised. They've been given their new bodies. Oh, so we're not... Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah I'm talking about that. But the you were talking about those who went with the rapture, right? Yeah, we're all go- we are all going to go up there with the rapture. We're alive at the time when Christ comes. Yeah, yeah. and then we're all... Or if we're dead, we're not going to go up. The if believers are... If, if, the dead believers, are they going Dead to believers are, are raised at the same time, okay. 1 Corinthians 15. And all, the whole group of us will come back live in a thousand years down... No. But we're... We Immortal, new bodies. These people that are living on earth, huh? can we talk? Can they make it? No, it, 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 the choices are inextricably and, and completely and eternally made oh. because of this point in time. These people here that, that, are, uh-huh. that are born can because oh, they're, they're mortal yeah. still. Well, the babies that are born then. Yeah. You know. Well, the, uh, <laughs> they, they, will live, they will live through this thousand years. Yeah, I know. Okay. But, well, um, we will be forever with the Lord, so... I know, but on earth, though, right? Right. So, are we? We're going. We're going to go to heaven. But are the people that are born then during this time? Yeah. Can they go to heaven? Well, people that are born during this time, uh-huh. Jesus Christ is there in their presence. They're with the Lord. He's there physically uh-huh. during this whole time. Automatically accepted. No, they will. They will have a choice. Oh, either they're... either serve him or not, and if they don't, okay. then they will resonate with Satan at this end time. I'll go to heaven, right? Well, heaven will be on earth. Oh, right. that's the eternal state. I misunderstand your. Am I? Your question is: Say a baby is born today. Is that your and question? The next day, the baby dies. What happens then? Okay, that's not what she's saying. Is her question? Well, yeah, she said if a baby was born at the nine hundred and ninety nine year. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's it's one one years old, and what yeah. happens? Well, it, uh, God will come. Uh, when you're one years old, you can't you can't 
I don't think in terms of Jesus and being saved. So you're talking about just whether it was 99 years or whether it's now. It doesn't matter. That's your question, right? No, he was talking about that's what I'm thinking she's saying. That's what I originally asked. Okay. And that child will go to heaven because he doesn't, he can't make it. Um, Whether it's there or any time through this time period, um, uh, we we would believe that the scriptures say that until the age of accountability, yes. that Jesus Christ's uh, blood has the ability to be applied wherever he wants to apply that. And we, would, we would believe that that would be applied to those individuals who are before the age of accountability. Um, based upon some Old Testament scriptures as it pertains to David's son and some other situations like that. And, and you have to lean fully into God's justice and his love well, at about that point in time. Though, they, they don't have the choice. But Jesus Christ is on earth. There is no heaven. I mean, oh. people are here. Or they're in Hades as oh, non-believers. Non-believers are. Oh, During okay. this whole time. Okay. They will be raised from the dead for the great white throne judgment from from Hades. Okay. Okay. They will be raised at this point in time. We're going to talk about, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Make sense? Yeah, so they're the Dead people. They've been dead. there ever since. The dead people. Non-believers. Because oh, no. today, ever since the cross, okay, believers are forever are with the Lord. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Now we'll have physical bodies just like Christ did. Oh, we'll be immaterial, yeah. immortal bodies. Uh-huh. They will. We will have bodies. We'll be new bodies. bodies right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the mortals, the mortals are the ones that are, that are on, on the planet Earth. Correct. Those Only those can have babies in the correct. kingdom. Right? Exactly. Only these that go into the kingdom that are believers and mortals okay, will populate the earth. During that period? I don't think there will be. I'm not sure of that. Well, we but, age, right? But we will go back to a similar kind of a situation as the Garden of Eden. What I'm saying is if, if oh, okay, well... Yeah. Well, he's on the throne, so either they do it willingly, uh-huh. or they're going to have to do it. So they have, have to bow down before him, even if they don't like it. But their heart's going to chafe within them, and they're going to hate it. But okay. they're still going to have to do it. They have, then they have a lot of chances. Absolutely. I mean, and Christ is sitting like in front of them. I was like, you know, hello, what is it about this you don't get? You know, it's like last time I looked. You know. <laughs> But still, I mean, the, the nature of sin is so deceitful uh-huh. that even at that point in time, without the influence of the adversary, is my whole point, that they will still, because of their human nature, not 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 well, bow down to him say, uh, in their heart. Right now, exactly, and, and influencing. That, for that time, they don't even have. Right. Exactly. 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 So it will be fine. Oh yeah, there's no crime. Anything like that will not be tolerated. He will rule with a rod of iron. It will be the way it is. That's it. It's a person would have to be. Well, but but now you see the the incredible deceitfulness of sin, incredible power that the adversary does wield. You know there. So yeah. But even today, you know, people you you they they can read this about how bad it's going to be and they'll reject. Yeah. Reject Christ, and that's what you know. Harry Carey said that you know that he was looking forward to actually going to hell because that's where all his friends were. Mm-hmm. And so, and based upon this, you'll see that he's not going to see them. You know? Yeah. Well, obviously he's not. Well, that's the way even today mankind exactly. is. It won't be any different. In the I mean, world. can you start to get a picture of why our testimony to non-believers about these truths is so jugular? I mean. 
Hebrews 9.27 says, is appointed unto man once to die, then comes the judgment. There is no other chances. There's no going around again. It's the way it is. And that's why it's, it's eternal. You know, about two, three weeks ago, well, my fellow, I'm supposed to be the religious guy at work, so they had a question, because the Catholics are considering nominating the, the Pope. They wanted to know what I thought about that. Believer in Christ. Sure. But somehow that, that went from there to evolution, and the last couple of days I've been having this dialogue with this one guy. Like, why is why is evolution so important? Well, because it it equation evolution and opposites. Yeah, and 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 even if you're a believer and you don't believe but in a literal the thing creation, is, this guy at work that God created evolution. He started. He, he created the world, and then he but evolution take. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of like have your cake and eat it too, right? Yeah. So you go to the point of this because the, here's the jugular question. It's not evolution or creation. It's that if you believe in evolution, then what do you do with the origin of sin into the world, which is the Adam and Eve? But the bull blinded. Exactly. And no matter what I said, the transom, obviously they just did. Right. So so you come back to this issue what and we're talking claims, about. He, yeah. he, didn't, he, he, he wasn't taught this in school. Brought up down south and a lot of schools teach. This. Absolutely. I remember Absolutely. Going to school. I went to a Catholic school. Yeah. And they, this is what. Absolutely. And, and, and it's inbred in you very early, and it just stays with you. Yeah. And, and so, why was that such? And we're going to talk about lies of the, you know, talk about doctrines but, of demons, you know, right? I mean, that's one of them. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm just part of the process that he has to go through. But mm-hmm. very frustrating when you're talking to these people. Well, uh, I know where Jesus is, and I said yeah. heaven. Yeah, I, you know, you, you, you come back to the issue of where do you, where do you get your truth? You know, I mean, it, what, it, it what you think, or is it literally? Well, I, is there I some some objective I, truth, well, I, right? I, I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, I, you know, a lot that I don't know about the Bible. But you but know I, a lot more than him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, either take the Bible right. and believe everything, right? Or if there is one thing that you don't believe, throw it out. Then. What makes what makes you think that Christ is our Savior? Absolutely. Either you either you do or you don't. Right. So so now you establish that platform, which is what you're saying. Right. You know, if you want to know about the creation of the world, it's in Genesis. Either it's true or it's not. So so you come back to you know where did sin come from? Where did Satan come from? Is there a real Satan? I mean, now you start asking the difficult questions, which is you know I mean if you believe in evolution, it's your toke, it's your ticket, right, to lack of accountability before God. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's why it exists. That's the same thing all the way through. Doctrines of demons shun accountability before God. That's why what we're talking about today is so jugular. Because this is the truth about accountability. Man is a moral creature. Man is created. And therefore, man is accountable. There's this thing that I always love to to draw for people about what we're talking about here. and And it's this. The white piece of paper, top of it, I just put in with reality. God exists. You don't believe that, right? If you do believe it, then what? They, actually, they, they do believe that God exists. Right, so then has he spoken to us? See, you give them enough, enough rope, they'll hang They're themselves. Speaking to them. speaking, God's speaking to them too because they won't be asking these questions. Right, exactly. You're, you're spot on. And I, I, I guarantee you, Gabe, 
God's got you there for a reason. Mm-hmm. To, to literally walk... It's, there's no... Possibly. <laughs> there's no coinky-dinkies in life, okay? <laughs> no coincidences. There were non-believers at my other shop, too. Sure. But the question is, is, did you take the opportunities or not? Because God gives us the opportunities. Whether we take them or not is up to us. So... So the great news is you're taking the opportunities. That's great. So God exists. Deal with it. It's a simple point. But it's so profound. I mean, either, either this is true or it's not. If it's true, if it's not true, fine. But what if you're wrong? <laughs> what if you're wrong? But either way, you're still... If you're a non-believer, if God exists or didn't exist, either way, you're kind of like... Well, no. If he doesn't exist, I mean, it's like let's let's just have a party. Let's go for it. You know, I mean, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Annihilation, incarnation, reincarnation. You know, you name it. Everything's up for grabs, right? Well, a lot of people think God exists, but they haven't gone through the questions, right? I mean, here, here, you say yes, no, right? If you say yes, then you go. So what? Keep going. Has he spoken to us? You just keep going down the question. They'll hang themselves. Guaranteed. Just ask the questions. Ask the questions. Ask the questions. They'll get to a place they go, what are you talking about? <laughs> See what you're talking about. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you're going to get the funny. Then they're going to squirm. And sometimes they're going to react. And sometimes they're going to get mad. Yeah. But then they're going to come back to you yeah. surprisingly. Because the they Spirit of God is going to go behind those words and He's going to like... Have them wrestle with it. And that is cool. <laughs> Where's the rest? Can you send that? That's another class. <laughs> Got to come to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, okay, Matthew. Okay, so we're in Revelation. So next one is it's filled without a darkness. Jude, just before um, Revel- the Revelation, uh, Jude 13 says... Um, uh, let's go to 12 and 13. He says, he's talking about these um, false teachers and, and, and he says, these men are, are those who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, carrying for themselves clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, double dead, uprooted, verse 13, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, Wandering stars, and now he gives them their eternal destiny. For whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. For whom the black darkness has reserved, been reserved forever. So it's outer darkness. It's, it's forever darkness. Next one is Matthew twenty-five forty-six. We looked at before. I won't go back to it, but it's, it's that it will be utterly hopeless. It's eternal. It's eternal fire. It's utterly hopeless. It cannot ever be undone. It's eternal in nature. Next, uh, next one is it, it will have many occupants. Many occupants. Let's look at Revelation 19.20. Stay with me here because I don't want to finish this up here. 19.20 says... Um, people recognize us in a thousand years. Pardon me? In a thousand years, are people recognize Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, yeah. The beast and the false prophet here in Revelation 19.20 says, and the beast... Who's the beast? <coughs> the, 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 the beast is Antichrist. And so you are right in that he's indwelling him, but um, his his soul, Antichrist is a man. His soul is what it's talking about here. Okay, Antichrist, the beast was seized, 
and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence, so the false prophet and the Antichrist, um, by which he deceived those who had the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped his image were these two Yehus. These two Yehus were thrown alive into the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. It's interesting, he, he says they're thrown alive. So they've been given immaterial bodies on an important time right then. And he, he, he throw this idea of throwing, all the words for throwing here in, in 19 and 20 are the words for literally, like, uh, you take like a uh, stone as, and throw it as far as, and as hard as you can. It's like flinging, like throwing it with all your might. That's the idea that these, the beast and the false prophet were hurled hard as can be, be into hell, into fire. Okay. Next one is Satan in the demonic realm, 2010. says, we read it before, the, the, the devil, as the next occupant here, was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay. Next is Revelation 20, 11 through 15. I want to take just a second on this um, real quickly. Um, and we look at verses 11 through 15, talking about uh, all non-believing human beings. When, when are we talking about right now? We're talking about... The fact that they are raised from the dead from Hades, okay? Their souls are here, right? But where are their bodies still? Here's the world, right? Remember, the outer portion of the world is what? Quote, death, right? Death, or quote, the grave, right? So, they're in the grave, which is on land, right? And then they also have bodies someplace in the sea. So, land and sea speaks of the grave or the dead. That's the, where the physical portions of their bodies are, um, right? But their souls are where? They're in Hades. Follow me? Okay? So, get the picture. Okay? The end of the time has come. God's Christ has literally judged uh, Satan and his kingdom and thrown them into the lake of fire. Back here, he threw who? Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire, Right? Okay. We come to verse 11 where we see the setting unfold. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. So back to first Peter, back to Peter where he says that this world as we know it and the heavens will be obliterated with fire in a moment. This is the time. Earth and heaven are fled, flee away. Because the great white throne judgment, because the holiness of God is upon the universe now. And they're going, Jesus Christ is going to be on this throne and because he's been given complete ability to judge for God the Father. So this great white throne judgment speaks of um, holiness and purity and the essence of all of it from which judgment can even take place, Right? I mean, it's, it, it is because God is holy that He is the only one who can judge. And so it says here, from uh, earth and heaven fled away, they're destroyed, they're actually obliterated, uh, and no place was found for them. And we see the judgment itself start in verse 12. And he says, And I saw the dead, the great and the small. Isn't it interesting that there is, when, when it all comes down to it, it doesn't matter how much money you made, doesn't matter how much power you had. Doesn't matter how much sway you had on planet Earth. At the end of the day, when everything's said and done, 
the great and the small stand before their creator for judgment. There isn't any yeah buts. It's, there's no I was better than. There's none of that. Standing before the throne and books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. So here what we see is that there's books that were opened and what? Another book. Follow me? Okay, so this book over here is called what? The book of life. So my question is, is why, why do you go through the rigmarole of figuring out that one of these books here is God's law, or what is, what is the way it should be in our life, right? And all the rest of these books here, down through everybody, is the book of our deeds. So scriptures are very clear that all of our deeds are being um, kept track of. And through Christ, they're all completely covered by His blood. But in this situation, what happens? So why didn't He just go, they, they were or were not in the book of life, that seals it? These people then are, ban- are going to be destined to hell. So first question is, are you in the book of life? Yes, no. Because you wouldn't even be, be, be at this place for judgment if you were in the book of your name was written in the book of life. So it's very clear. He goes, no, 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 not there. First point. Okay? Second point is that there's God's law, which is what? The standard. Remember he says in, 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 uh, in Galatians, he says in Romans, that if if you didn't do everything in the in, in the in measure up to the entire law, that one little thing condemns you, right? The law is, is what? The standard. It, it, it's God's holiness. It's the way it is. And so, he says, you're, you're going to be judged by your deeds. Well, why is it... I thought we weren't judged by our deeds. I thought we were judged by, you know, God's righteousness. Well, not in their situation. Because they've spurned God's righteousness. They've spurned His Son. So, if you don't want to stand with Him as Savior, you're going to stand before Him as judge. And so... That's what's happening here. And so, all these books of, my, of, of a person's life who, if they're a non-believer, they're going to be pulled out. And those are going to be, what? Matched against the standard, right? And every one of them, because every one has got at least one thing in them, all these points are going to be, quote, against God. Against them. And so, because of that, why, why isn't it just that they weren't here, so therefore they go into the lake of fire. Why go through this? Sure, no one will be able without excuse. That's a good thing. Might it also be that God's wrath has levels of wrath? Might it be that, you know, a Hitler? I mean, all these are going to be under the wrath of God in the lake of fire, but might it be that certain individuals, you know, are, are going to have um, a greater outpouring of God's wrath for all time? Yeah. Yeah. That that tells me that God is just and merciful. Yeah. Does that make sense? You see why that, that that you would have to go through the details to understand that? Okay? But that's what's happening right here. He says the books were open and they were judged according to their deeds. In verse thirteen we see the summons. So really thirteen happens before twelve. 
chronologically. Uh, 13 and 14 happened before 12. And he says, And the sea gave up their dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up their dead which were in them. So souls from Hades reunited with physical bodies, recollected, reconstituted from the grave, either the land or the sea, brought back together again, resurrected bodies, right? Stand before God. Summons goes out. And when the summons goes out, everybody responds. <laughs> and he says in verse 14, you see, what happens here is, is the sentence. And death and Hades, the body and the soul, were thrown into the lake of fire. So God actually picks up Hades as a place, once they're gone, and He takes the physical place of the grave and death, and He takes both of those, He throws them into where? The lake of fire. He says this, this situation that He just did is called the second death. What's the first death? Physical death, right. This is called the second death, which is spiritual and eternal. Eternal death. So it's, it's death eternally. It doesn't mean you're annihilated. It means it's death eternally. Follow me? Okay? And then we see the conclusion on verse, verse 15. And if anyone's name, anyone's name, was not found written in the book of life, so that, that's the entrance ticket. The degrees are here, but the entrance ticket's here. Okay? What? He was, they were thrown into the lake of fire, the second death. The born once, die twice, die born twice, die once. Powerful stuff. Well, not only is that, but it's eternal. We looked at these verses already. Um, I want to mention that it's just also. It's just. There's nobody coming back here that I see. There's no place where I see where he says, you know, yeah, but. Um, Philippians 2.10 says that this time is the time when he's going to say that every knee that's under earth, on earth, and above the earth will bow down and declare him as Lord. Why? Because they'll be forced to. Forced to. Not, not only that, but then you go to 1 Corinthians 15, and we'll close with that. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. You know, we've been doing a study of Hebrews in, in a small group, and we covered this on this last week, and what I, what I was... What was really amazing was that the sacrifice of Christ did a lot of things, but the one thing he did in verse uh, in Hebrews uh, is he said he offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, and he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time onward until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. So this idea of being a footstool for his feet, it means he vanquished them. And so back to 1 Corinthians real quick in closing. And I'll take any questions if you could, if you want. First Corinthians 15, verse uh, 24. Follow with me if you would. Then comes the end after his second coming. Um, then comes the end. When's the end? It's right here. The end. And what's the end look like? It, it's when he delivers up the kingdom. What's the kingdom? Here's the kingdom. Okay. When he delivers up the kingdom to the God and Father when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. Well, how is that? Because he just puts Satan down, took all that, vanquished it, he took all humankind, judged them, that's it. All rule, all authority, all power that, that, that is raised up against him. Any place in the universe. That's what he's talking about. Verse 25. For he must reign, he must be supreme, and, and 
and until when he has put all his enemies under his feet. Verse 26. The last enemy that will be abolished is what? Death. death. So what was that? It was what he just we just read. He picked up death and Hades and threw them into the lake of fire. That's what he's talking about here. That's when the last enemy is going to be abolished. Verse 27. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are in subjection, it is evident that he has accepted who put all things in subjection to him. And when all things are subjected to Jesus Christ, then the Son, Jesus Christ himself, will also subject himself to the One, the Father, who subjected all things to him, the Son, that what? God may be all in all. So for the eternal state, Jesus Christ gives it all back to the Father. He just finished completing, complete, completing everything the Father asked him to do. And, and, and then he goes, I take all of these, all the ones you gave me that I purchased with my blood and I consummated to the end, and all those that I give it all back to the Father for the eternal state forever and ever. Make sense? Yeah. Amazing thing. So it's all just. It's just that there's nobody coming back saying, yeah, but. There's no yeah, buts in eternity. Remember the rich man Lazarus? What does he say? He didn't say anything about himself. He said, go tell them. And, and the so what about this is, you know, are, are we going to be actively involved in his kingdom? To talk about the truths that are so incredibly painfully clear in the scriptures. That this is what's coming in the future. People all the time are saying, I want to know the future. I want to know what's... Well, it's right here. What, what about this do I not understand? I mean, it just lays it out with absolute laser clarity in the Scriptures. And if we knew them well, as we're learning, we, we then can talk about these things. And back to the challenge. The challenge is, you know, what well are you drinking at? You know, are you drinking at the well of the doctrine of demons? Or you drink at the well of truth that is revelation from, from the throne of God. That means it's absolutely... And that's really what we want to be doing. With that, can I ask for somebody to close us in prayer? Anybody? Father God, uh, your humble servant, marvelous book, so well that it is our charge to ask this. Amen. Have a great day.